0: Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. Today we're gonna talk about grace was always God's plan. One of my favorite questions to ask a new group of people is how were people saved in the Old Testament? Perhaps you have a preconceived idea. Let's go to the Word of God and see what he has to say.
1: For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. Hello, and welcome
0: again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandy, glad to have you here today. I'm gonna talk to you for the next five days on that grace was always God's plan. Uh, The reason why I'm bringing this up, in fact, let's start with Ephesians chapter two, verses eight and nine, because I wanna take this verse of scripture, which is really just a simple foundation for what we believe and know of how we accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You know, the thing of it is is what Jesus did was complicated, but his plan is simple. I mean, all the things he had to do every, I mean, when he came into this world in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse five, he said, sacrifice an offering you weren't pleased with, but a body you have prepared for me. I have come in the volume of the book. The volume of the book is the entire Old Testament. It's up to the point that existed when Jesus, where I have come in the volume of the book to do your will, oh God. And what he's simply saying is I've come to fulfill every jot, every tittle. I've come to fulfill the law, every prophecy about me. Every sacrifice, I mean, the, the incense, everything, everything in the word of God prophesied about him, and so with the things of the law prophesied about him, he says, I have come to fulfill everything, and on the cross, he said, it is finished. It wasn't the plan of salvation that was complete. No, he had completed everything written about him because the plan of salvation for us was not complete till Jesus sat down at the right hand of the Father. But on the cross, he said, it is finished. He was referring to the law. I have now fulfilled it. Told you when I came into this earth, I would fulfill it, and I have. But the pl- all the things he did was complex. For us to know the, the entire plan of God, our brains would fry, because again, there's just so much there to comprehend. But when it's all brought to us, God's plan was complicated on his side, on our side. It's so simple. And Ephesians chapter two, verses eight and nine tell us so. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, even the faith is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So we are saved by simple faith. And the moment we hear the gospel, that faith appeared in our heart, but we have to act on it. It goes on to say, not by our works. So all we do is put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, accept him as the Lord of our life and the Savior of our sins that forgave all of our sins we've ever committed or will commit, and that way we're going to heaven. Isn't that simple? Well, Romans 10, 9 and 10 tells us the same thing. And it tells us if we believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is now our Lord and our Savior, we will have eternal life. So that's the simple plan of salvation. But sometimes, in fact, this is why I'm teaching this today, Whenever I approach a new group of people, or oftentimes, or especially when I approach a group of Bible school students, I ask them this question, how were people saved in the Old Testament? You get one of two answers. I mean, they first of all look at you with a blank stare going, well, of course, they were saved, number one, by keeping the law, or number two, by animal sacrifices, or a combination of those two. And it was simply this, we had to keep the law, but if we break the law, we bring. they brought an animal sacrifice. And that's what they do. And I said, well, then let me ask you a, po- a question then. Why did God give the law to just one nation, Israel? If this is the plan for the entire world, Why did he give it to just one nation? On top of that, one of the smallest nations on earth. If this was his plan for the entire earth, next of all, if the law and the sacrifices was God's plan for salvation, and it was God's plan that Israel, that small nation, take it to the rest of the world, because he's the one that said back in Isaiah 52 to the nation of Israel, how lovely on the mountains are the feet of them that bring glad tidings. The word glad tidings is simply the Hebrew word for the New Testament, Greek word of gospel. The word gospel means good news, who brings glad tidings of good things. So he's simply saying there in those verses of Scripture back in Isaiah, as well as here, is that the plan of salvation has always been the same. They didn't take the law to the world. I mean, in the Old Testament, when Jonah went to the city of Nineveh, he didn't walk down the streets yelling, Quit eating pork and no more bacon. He didn't say men be circumcised. He didn't say you have to keep the law. He didn't start naming all the laws they have to keep. That wasn't it. He didn't have time to teach them the law. And so he simply walked down the street yelling one word, repent, repent. And the Bible says they did from the king down to the peasants in the street when he was there at the timing of God and preached the message of God of repentance. They all repented and that a great revival hit that city and the, and the condemnation that God had for them and the judgment of destruction was removed until many, 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 many years later and Nahum, the next prophet prophesied and this time they wouldn't listen and they were destroyed. So it simply comes back to this, is that grace has always been the means of salvation. But what was the purpose of the law? The Old Testament Jews or Gentiles were never saved by sacrifices or obedience to the law. And this simply tells us something, that if they did not keep that, and that was not the purpose for salvation, then what was the purpose of salvation? And what was the purpose of keeping the law? What was the purpose of the law? The Bible tells us the law was our was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ for the Jewish nation. And the reason why God chose them was because he took from Abraham and separated Abraham from the rest of the nations of the world. And he became the first Jew. He wasn't born a Jew. He was born a Gentile. But by accepting the Lord as his savior by faith, and we're told this in chapter four of the book of Romans, that Abraham had faith in the Lord It was accounted to him for righteousness. He became the first Jew. He became the first physical Jew. And he also started a race of people as the stars of the heaven of every nation under heaven was blessed by him. And so Gentiles can also become part of the seed of Abraham, which is a part of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're told that at the closing of Galatians chapter three. So in the Old Testament, Jews or Gentiles were never saved by sacrifices or obedience to the law. In fact, Peter pointed this out in Acts chapter 15, when they were talking to him about the revival he had just been to and how that the house of Cornelius had been saved. And here he was speaking to a Gentile. How dare you speak to a Gentile? And I'm sure that right then he reflects back on the rooftop vision he had. And he also reflects back on the fact that on the day of Pentecost, not only were Gentiles uh, saved in the upper room and came down speaking with tongues along with the Jews, but also that day, many Jews accepted Jesus. And from that time on, a combination of Jews and Gentiles were saved day after day after day, even in Acts chapter six, we had many Gentile women in the church that were part of the women being blessed in the church, as well as Jewish women being blessed in the church because they were widows. And so the point of it is it comes back to it. The church had always been from the time of the day of Pentecost, a mixture of Jews and Gentiles. But by the time we come to Acts chapter 15, such legalism had entered into the church that they were putting a bigger yoke on the, on the necks of Gentiles receiving Jesus. And even on the Jews that had received Jesus, they had to start back, acting back under the law. Acts chapter 15 and verse 10, here's what Peter said to a council that almost dragged him in and made him give an account of what happened at the house of Cornelius. He says in verse 10 of Acts chapter 15, why do you put a yoke on our neck, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? So it comes back to this, works never saved anyone before, during, or after the law. Works have never or ever will save anyone. Romans three twenty. for by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. What's this mean? No flesh means no flesh. From the time of Adam's fall till the day we live today, no one has ever been saved by keeping the deeds of the law. So what was again the purpose of the law? Paul said the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. And after we've come to Christ, we are no longer under the schoolmaster. What's it saying? God gave us the law to teach us something. First of all, we can't keep the law. That's the purpose of the law being given to show you that you can't keep God's standard. When the people said, give us your standard, go ahead, give us your laws. He gave them 10 of them to start with and more after that, and they couldn't keep the 10. So what was the purpose then of the sacrifices? If the law and the sacrifices were what God introduced to the nation of Israel, the law shows you you can't keep God's standard. And number two is the sacrifice shows you the answer for you not being able to keep God's standard. It's the same two parts of salvation we preach today. It's the same two messages we give to unbelievers when we witness to them. Number one is you're already lost. You cannot meet God's standard. But number two, Jesus came and died for you. And if you accept him as Lord and savior, none of those things you've done wrong will be held against you, but you must accept him. It's the same thing the law taught. And Romans three twenty says again, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified. And what he's simply saying to us is works never saved anybody, either before the law. Think about this, Abraham was before the law. And how was he justified? By faith, 390 years before the law was ever given. He accepted Jesus Christ by faith and many after him. Think about during the law. We're told in in chapter four of the book of Romans, we compare two people. The first one we talk about is Abraham. Abraham had faith in the Lord. It was counted to him for righteousness. And right after that, it says, and David said, happy is the man whom the Lord imputes not his trespasses against him. Those two men represent something dramatic is that Abraham was saved by faith before the law. David was saved by faith during the law, and we are saved by faith after it. It's always been the means of pleasing God. That's why we have Hebrews chapter 11, all the listing of the heroes of faith, by faith Abel, by faith Enoch, by faith Noah, by faith Moses, by faith Abraham. We go down the list of all these and every one of them span different time periods. Some were before the law, some were during the law, but it simply points back to this. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. The law doesn't please God. Does God want us to have good works? Yes, but in obedience to the grace of God. The grace of God and our faith saved us and God wants us out of gratitude to come back and live a life pleasing to him. But here's the important point. Now we have the power to do it. As a sinner, we didn't have the power to do it, but after I am born again, the Holy Spirit lives in me, and now the Word of God is given to me. By the power of the Word of God and by the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit, I can now walk with God and please Him through good works. The only works God is pleased with in a Christian's life is those that are done in line with the Holy Spirit and in obedience to the Word of God. Those are the works that God saves us to. In fact, we're told again, in Ephesians 2, eight and nine, for by grace you are saved through faith. But verse 10 goes on to say that we have been saved unto good works. You can't do it before, but after you're saved, you can now produce good works, works that are pleasing in God's eyes. And that's again, the essence of Hebrews chapter 11. It's all works, Hebrews chapter 11 is all works, but it's works of a believer, not works of an unbeliever. And that's why by faith, Abel did this, offered a better sacrifice, Enoch walked with God, Noah built an ark, I mean, all the works they did and it pleased God because they did it by faith in what God told them to do, the Word of God, and by the spoken Word of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, Romans 3.20, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. In each dispensation, how God approached man was always different, but how man approached God has always been the same. Faith through grace, it all comes back to this. We'll talk more about this in the second half of this broadcast as we approach halftime right now. And I simply wanna say, when we come back, we're gonna again, bring this down to something which you can easily understand and really make your life easier, that pleasing God doesn't come by your works, doesn't come by your performance, it comes by faith each day in Jesus Christ. See you right after the break.
1: The awesome grace of God begins with salvation and carries us all the way through this life and into eternity. Because of the work of the cross, God's grace is absolutely free to all who will simply receive it. In this five lesson teaching series, Pastor Bobby Endin highlights the foundational Bible truths concerning four specific types of grace that God has provided for us. The topic titles are, Mephibosheth, Convicting Grace, Saving Grace, Living Grace, and Dying Grace. Understanding the nature of the grace of God in each of these areas of life will help you understand the nature of His character and His unconditional love for us. To order Types of Grace, go to bobbyandian.com. I've been waiting on this book, Theology
0: Simplified. This is a class I teach at Karis Bible College, and it's my favorite class. I think the student's favorite class is there. And I've been waiting to put this into a book. It's eight different theological terms that sound difficult, but actually are very simple. I just simply think the Bible sometimes is filled with complicated sounding words, but you break it down, it becomes very simple. This book is called Theology Simplified. Let me tell you what all that covers. It covers predestination. It covers reconciliation and sanctification. It covers glorification, justification, redemption, propitiation, and election are all covered in this book. And again, big words with simple meanings. I bring it down to you. When I used to pastor at the church, I would even tell, i say, housewives, you that are listening, out there today in the congregation, this is designed for you too. The Word of God is not difficult. Go to my website, BobYandian.com. You'll find how you can have a copy for yourself. Blessings upon blessings to you.
1: Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness,
0: chapter one and verse one and verse two. It simply says there, God, who at different time periods and in different ways spoke in time past, unto the fathers through the prophets has in these last days spoken unto us by his son. It's simply pointing out something interesting there is that the Old Testament is divided into time periods. God who in different time periods and in different ways spoke to the nation of Israel through the prophets to the fathers of the nation. It simply comes back to this in all the different time periods of the Old Testament, how God approached man has always been different but how man approaches God has always been the same. And we're told in verse 2, hasn't these last days spoken unto us by His Son? And that comes through the New Testament disciples that wrote the New Testament. Those that were disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, those were apostles throughout the New Testament. And it simply says how God spoke in the Old Testament was different than how He spoke to us in the New Testament. But even in the Old Testament, in different time periods, God spoke different ways. What am I talking about? In the dispensation of innocence, that's in the Garden of Eden, how God talked to man was He came to them every day. Jesus. Jesus Christ personally appeared to Adam, and to Eve every day in the cool of the evening. Here's something interesting. How would you like for Jesus to come to you every day about say six o'clock in the evening, sit on the bed with you, sit on your couch with you and answer every question you have, or go walking with you. So let's go walking through the park. We just go walking with him and he answers every question we have. How many times we said, oh Jesus, if you would just come into this room and talk to me. Well, he did in the garden, but that's how he talked to him in the garden. After that, he spoke from heaven. He spoke by the inward voice. He spoke through prophets. He spoke through signs. He spoke through a burning bush. As the angel of the Lord, he appeared to different people and talked to them. He even talked through a donkey to a prophet. I mean, we have all the different ways after that. And he also spoke to man by the law and the sacrifices. And all the emblems of it around him, the tabernacle, what it's made out of, the altars, all the different things that were in there, God spoke to man that way. In every time period, how God approached man was different. But in each time period, how man approached God has always been the same, faith, faith through grace. It's always been the same. How did God approach Adam and Eve? They first approached him him after the fall by putting fig leaves around them. Fig leaves represent human good. Human good looks good for a moment, then it starts disappearing. And what they put around them would have to be changed every few days. Why? Because the leaves would fall off and all that. But God went out and cut open an animal and took the skins and wrapped it around them. Something that would last a long, 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 long time, a type of grace, a type of faith. What I can do for my is momentary. The things I can do by my own works don't last, but the things that come by God through faith from heaven are eternal. It's simply God showing them the difference between their works and his grace. And from that time on, everybody, it came back to later on uh, Cain and Abel. When Cain slew Abel, you know why? It was because his sacrifice was his own works. Abel's sacrifice was that which God provided. He took of the the slaughter of the field. He took the animals and offered them to God. His brother offered vegetables, something he had put all the work, effort, and things into and presented them to God. And God was not pleased with the sacrifice, but gave him time to change it. It simply comes back to this. If you've tried to please God by your own works, by the good things you have done, with the money you have made, you don't impress God at all. There's only one thing that impresses God as a unbeliever coming to him for salvation is faith in the work of Jesus Christ. And the moment you do that, then your works can count toward God because we're saved unto good works. It simply comes back to this again. And in Hebrews chapter four and verse two, it is clearly delineated. Hebrews 4.2 says this about their time period of the Old Testament as compared to ours, the time of the law in the wilderness where it was given and the difference between that and us after the cross of Jesus Christ of which the law was totally fulfilled on the cross. Hebrews 4.2 says this, for indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. Them is the wilderness generation. In fact, the wilderness generation is the theme of Hebrews chapter three and chapter four, and they couldn't enter in because they didn't have faith in their heart and operate and rest in God on the promises of God. Notice again, the gospel, the good news, was preached to us as well as unto them. We have the same gospel today they had back there. The means of salvation has always been the same. How God approached man was different, but how man approached God for salvation has always been exactly the same. The rewards of that faith is different today. We enter into a whole new time period, a whole new dispensation, a whole type of relationship that didn't exist in the Old Testament. But the entrance into God's plan has always been the same. And the same gospel was preached to the people of the Old Testament, including those under the law as it is today. So from the time of Adam until today, what has always been the means of salvation, faith, faith, faith. The Old Testament people were saved and healed on what Jesus would do in the future. In fact, we're told in Isaiah that for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and that was still yet to come. It was him coming on the cross later on in Isaiah 53 was a prediction of what would happen 500 years from that time, Jesus going to the cross. But he simply said to us, for unto us, the Old Testament people, Isaiah said us, uses are 500 years before the cross, but Jesus Christ came for us, Jesus Christ lived for us, Jesus Christ died for us. The Old Testament people are saved and healed by what Jesus would do in the future, but we in the New Testament are saved on what Jesus has already done. The same gospel deserves the same response, grace and faith to whoever believes. So why was the law introduced if grace and faith had always been the means of salvation and spirituality. Well, look with me at Romans chapter five. Let's take a look at verses 13 and 14, and we find out here why the law was introduced. Again, if grace and faith had always been the means of salvation, why did God introduce the law? It's because the people demanded the law. They wanted to approach God with their own works, with their own plan. Oh, we've heard your plan. We have a better one. It's like witnessing to somebody and telling them this thing is free God offers salvation free. All you have to do is reach out and receive the plan of grace, the gift of God, the gift of eternal life. And yet people will say, no, I think I'll fall back on my plan. My plan is to do good works. And that's exactly the answer of Israel. When God said, I want to introduce to you and tell you again, the plan of salvation. They went, no, they'd already been saved. But what he was saying was, here's why I want you to know how you were saved, how others will be saved. And they simply came back and said, no, we want to please God by our works. Tell us what your desire is. We think we're good enough that you give us what you want. We can do it. We can do it. And man, they found out they fell flat on their face. They could not Attained to in their own flesh and effort to the righteousness of God. Romans chapter five, verse 13 and 14 says this, until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even though those who had not sinned after the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. The issue under grace or law is still sin and the sins it produces. Sin is the nature of sin. It's what entered into Adam when he sinned. When Adam committed a sin, the sin nature came into him. Adam gained the sin nature because he sinned. We are born with the sin nature. That's why we sin. It was the opposite. We will never sin like Adam did. Adam sinned out of perfectness and the nature of sin entered into him. And because that nature was inside of him, he started sinning. We sin because we're born sinners. He sinned because he chose to sin in perfect righteousness. That tree was placed in front of him and a choice was given. Under law, man chooses to handle his own sin. Under grace, man lets God handle sin in his life and as a sinner and even as a believer. What am I saying? When I got born again, I presented my life to Jesus Christ and simply said, I can't do it. I can't live up to your standard. There's no way I can attain to the righteousness of God. And so I give myself to you and in doing so, you first of all, forgive every sin I've ever committed. And then next of all, the sin nature that lives inside of my flesh, you've given me power over it by the Holy Spirit living within me and greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. So it comes back to it again, under grace, man lets God handle the sin in his life. And then also as a, as a believer. I also let him handle that. If I sin as a believer, I'm not gonna just knuckle down and say, no, I won't do that again. I present it and ask God to forgive me and he forgives me immediately. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The grace of God saved me and the grace of God cleanses me after I'm saved when I simply take a sin, isolate it, and confess it to the Lord. Lord, I blew it. Lord, I missed it. And he immediately forgives me of that. That is the grace of God, not only being born again, but also he gives more grace after we're born again and we grow in that grace. So no one has ever sinned like Adam and Eve did. They sinned and became spiritually dead. Man is spiritually dead and so commits sin. It was the exact opposite. And while we have, again, they were created in this world perfectly. They voluntarily rejected God and followed Satan. And because of that, they died spiritually on the inside. We are born already spiritually dead because we're born in Adam. In Adam, all died. The whole earth died. Everybody at his time, Adam and Eve, from that time on when they had children, they were born spiritually dead. And so we find that all the way through, but God's plan of redemption was simply the grace of God. If you'll simply come to me, accept me as Lord and savior. And that's where Hebrews chapter 11 comes in. By faith Noah, by faith Enoch, By faith, Moses, we go down the list of all those in the Old Testament that were saved by simple faith in him and the great works by simple faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So man is spiritually dead and so commits sin. Adam got us into sin through a tree. Here's the good news. Jesus gets us out of sin through a tree. But from the fall, God dealt in grace with everyone. In the garden, there were millions and millions of yes trees and one no tree. And God said, look, look at all the good things I've done for you. Every need will be supplied. But that one right there, he had to test there will. And he put one tree in the garden and said, don't partake of that tree. He said, if you do, then you will die. You'll die spiritually. You'll die naturally, eventually down the line. And in so doing, we find that that's what Adam and Eve did. They partook of the tree. And immediately on the inside, they died spiritually. Then, 969 years later on, they died after that physically. But God got us out of this through a tree. Today, we are born into a world of no trees. They were born into a into a world of millions of yes trees. Today, there are millions of no trees, and there's one tree in the garden of life called the cross. And Jesus simply says that when you follow, you can reject all these others. No wonder Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father, but by me." You know what the good news is? Instead of Jesus acting arrogant, no, Jesus acted toward us with great confidence and simply told us, I am the way. We can simply say to him, thank you for telling us about all the millions of ways that are wrong, but the one way that is right. And Jesus came from heaven, died for us, gave us the simple plan of salvation, and simply said, reach out by faith and you can have it. That's the beauty of the Lord. We'll continue this tomorrow. I trust you've been blessed. Have a
1: great day. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bobbyandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen.